0: Why, hello there! It's Chappie, the British Butler, and it's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. It's episode number sixty-four. So when I'm sixty-four, we've reached that. The podcast has reached the age where it starts to forget previous episodes. Uh, Maybe a little bit of gout in its big toes. Um, uh, Maybe sort of some sort of boozy habit. uh, Too many carbs. It, it hasn't quite had its COVID injection yet, though, but it's coming up very, very soon because it is 64. Um, so uh, hello there again. It's uh, lovely to be with you. I'm here today and tomorrow. We have two podcasts a week. They go on between 45 minutes to an hour, uh, depending on how much I uh, rabbit on uh, during the course of the podcast. But uh, yeah, I am de- just defrosted my socks. Um, and um, I do go for the, uh, the duo of socks uh, in, into a Wellington boot with the Actrax tracks on. Uh, had about six inches of snow. Uh, that's what I was told, anyway. I didn't measure the six inches by any means. Um, but that's what I was told. Uh, and it was quite a snowstorm. And um, Paul George the Border Collie, as you can see on my Instagram, Keep Carmen Collie Crowd Cheese, uh, had. Terrible trouble getting through the snow. I mean, her good master was ploughing a thorough through the snow for her, uh, but it was still a bit of a, still a bit of an issue. Um, Also in the week, uh, Maggie had her little operation. And um, I don't know if you've ever had a, had a corgi spade, um, but they're a little rambunctious and they don't really like to uh, admit that they are weak and uh, convalescing and everything else. So, uh, it's been a challenge. I, I did get uh, out a, uh, a little uh, baby playpen, and uh, and the dog loved playing in the playpen. But if anybody stared through the uh, through the windows at Chappy Towers, they may think I have another baby, which I do not. I have to say, only a baby corgi that's uh, convalescing, and uh, I'm trying to stop it from jumping up and uh, and ripping the stitches. Um, you know, as all of us. Uh, who are slightly more rambunctious, incredibly energetic, obviously such as myself or the people who know me, um, then, uh, you know, we we do tend to rip the stitches. I tend to uh, rip my trousers now and again. And it's nothing to do with uh, the lockdown five pounds or anything along those lines. Uh, But, you know, I always have to have an extra strong gusset. So when I'm, you know, sewing up the trousers, it's important that I use probably a metal thread to keep the uh, gusset together because I I do have a habit of splitting those trousers. And, you know, not when I'm doing sort of Olympic gymnast splits or any of those that, you know, tend to do the banana split now and again uh, because you could end up splitting a banana if you start doing that, a man of my age anyway. And uh, anyway, so we're we're at the podcast, uh, uh, start of the podcast shows this week. And uh, some of the things that we uh, we may or may not be talking about. We have a little game. And I'm not going to say too much more. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow. It's basically chicken pie or cat vomit. And uh, I've incorporated my my butler's brain has been. I tell you, it's been perturbed and uh, bubbling away over the last week. And I've come up with a, a, a brand new game for you. I know Jumper Jenga was rather fantastic, and it and it really did. Um, you know. Stir the imagination, I think. Um, Ian Botham shredded wheat. I found something that not even Ian Botham could eat, um, probably l- end of last week. Um, and, uh, you know, about Harry walking away from the royal family. Harry and Meghan. More of that. I know people, you know, why do you have to have a dig at Harry so often? You know, Why are you digging at Harry and Meghan so often? But anyway, we have a little article, um, a little uh, snapshot of uh, what's been going on this week. Um, also, you know, people stop in the road when everyone walking the Corgi and, and, uh, Georgia Collie, um, you know, for a little chat, uh, but something did happen, which is rather embarrassing this morning, I have to say, uh, the Queen's taken the jab, uh, and she's been on TV, uh, celebrating the fact that she has the jab, and it's, uh, it feels like a little prick. Uh, and that's nothing to do with Prince Andrew. Uh, anyway, uh, and then we have uh, a reintroduction of zits to uh, Chappie's body. Um, we we'll talking about that as well. Uh, as I said, the baby playpen for the corgi. Uh, ever heard of the breakfast beard? Well, I'll be enlightening you on the breakfast beard. Uh, certain fly sprays do not work. Uh, why do Americans hate pickle? Um, and um, what's the obsession with burgers in, in America? Uh, we'll be... Looking at that as well, as uh, a smell of uh, cream of celery soup emanating. Um, you know, a perfect description of a corgi. Um, does does a corgi have the a butt of a deer? So, does corgis have Bambi's butts? Anyway, we're going to be you know slipping all of these things into the um, into the show over the next couple of days here. Uh, another f- fireside ghostly uh, uh, tale. Um, we'll be sitting down. Very spooky tale from Oxford, and. Um, also uh we have trump or trombone coming back again where we look at some of the most oh it's uh, absolutely despicable um tales of the week and equate them to the trump or indeed the trombone welcome along to the show lovely to have you here so i do love the yak tracks as i've told you many times before but have you ever wondered how to make a snowshoe i'm sure all of you are saying chappy. I was just thinking about that the other day. I don't want to spend money on snowshoes, so how can I make a snowshoe on budget? Well, trudging through the snow in regular boots is a very exhausting experience. doesn't take very much weight to sink through a foot or more of snow with each step, especially if you're a larger lad. Uh, not only will it drain your energy, it'll prevent you from travelling very far as well. So this is why a good pair of quality, uh, pair of quality snowshoes is invaluable. Snowshoes will distribute your weight. I mean, I honestly think it's like an elephant on ice with me sometimes. Uh, durable homemade snowshoes for cheap. Uh, quality snowshoes are expensive. Cheaper ones in on the market. Uh, start around 60 to $80, with high quality ones several, costing several hundred dollars as well. But you can make a snowshoe out of branches. So you can make your snowshoe out of branches that you find in the woods or the backyard, or, or sticks that your dog brings in maybe. Uh, branches from willows, spruce, pine and fir trees work best, since they're the most flexible and durable. For this method, you need a sharp knife, strong cord or rope, and tree branches. The branches should be already flexible, but in case they're not, you can warm them over a stove or a fire. It sounds like it sounds like a fire hazard waiting to happen. Next, bend the branches into the shape of a traditional snowshoe, several inches larger than your foot. So that's a size 16 for me, people. Uh, tie the two ends tightly with the cord into an X shape. Uh, following this, you need multiple smaller branches to serve as the cross pieces for the snowshoe. Uh, but also you could get the tennis racket snowshoes. Do you hold an, uh, uh, have an old pair of large tennis rackets in your storage room somewhere? Some of the old John McEnroe styles. You know, when I like to play tennis, I do use a, a, a cat gut, uh tennis racket. And I do pop on the little John McEnroe shorts as well. That uh, on a cold day is fine, but in warmer climes it can be a little bit unfortunate, let me put it that way. If not, you can always buy a set of tennis rackets for a reasonable price. Uh, All you need is tennis rackets, a good pair of snow boots and some duct tape. I mean, how do you get the tennis rackets off your, I mean, if you've got like a dinner party and you trudge in, you know, instead of your stilettos or a a nice uh, brown Oxford loafer, you have a couple of tennis rackets on your feet. I mean, you you could be, you could be, uh, you know, sent to Coventry and never allowed back into the party. Uh, But also you can get plywood snowshoes as well. This is similar to the tennis racket snowshoe method, but requires additional steps and materials. Two pieces of plywood. It looks like you're walking a plank. Uh, two feet long and less than a foot wide. In addition, you need a pair of snow boots, a sharpie, rope, sh- uh, straps, a saw. It sounds like somebody's basement. Uh, take out your sharpie and draw the shape of a snowshoe in the plywood. And there should be two ends. I mean, you could either make it into a snowshoe or maybe even a paddle uh, for naughty little people. Um, anyway, so there we go. You've got your snowshoes there. And when I was talking about the tennis rackets earlier... Um, you know, I did mention catgut. So th- these old tennis rackets, the ones that McEnroe and Borg used to play with, um, you know, they, they, they didn't actually use catgut, uh, because there are questions out there what types of cat were originally used to make catgut suture materials, stitches, and violin strings originally appeared, um, uh, during the 17th century. Um, but, uh, but anyway... Uh, what do cats, tennis, doctors, cows, violins have in common? The answer is catgut. Catgut sutures have been around a long time. Yes, that's what they used to uh, used to make uh, absorbable stitches even today. Absorbable stitches are those kind that don't need to be removed. They kind of break down and become part of your skin. Making catgut is a pretty lucrative business um, as, as far as it is in demand. Where can you get catgut? Uh, you know what your pet's purr uh, puts around your cat to sleep and takes them to the back of the room. Well, the truth is if your cat is sitting with you as you read this and is demonstrating concern, you need to tell your pussy not to worry. It's, uh, it isn't and never was made out of actual, actual cat guts. Theoretically, you could use your cat intestines to make cat gut string, but compared to the string you get from cows and sheep, it's not worth the trouble. A cow's intestine can produce cat gut string that's up to 160 foot long. I mean, that's impressive. I mean, think what it's doing the environment, though. I mean, you're saving yourself by using the cows because they're not uh, flatulent cows causing global warming. Your cat's intestine is small potatoes compared to that. So why the heck is it called cat gut? No cats were harmed in making the production of the string. Uh, but when it comes to intestines of cows, mostly cows these days, sometimes sheep, but even horses. But cow cut gut cat gut is the biggest current industry. Um, but uh, cat gut comes from the uh, submucosa and the external layers. These two layers contain the collagen, which you're looking for. Collagen is found through the bodies of mammals and some other vertebrates, wherever structural strength and elasticity is required in soft tissue. You may find collagen there. I mean, you could start uh, in, uh, injecting intestines into your forehead, I guess. I mean, that's what it is. It's collagen, I guess. So, is basically for all those ladies, you've got the Real Housewives of uh, Malibu or. Beverly Hills, or uh, Timbuktu, or um, uh, Baja California, wherever they are, they're injecting cow's intestines into their forehead. How does that make them feel? I mean, I'm wondering if you like, you know, just move your move your nostril, move your snout right up close to, uh, you know, one of the Beverly Hills housewives. Have a sniff. What is smell It's not Chanel number five. It's, it's actually Catgut. You smell of Catgut. Oh dear, I mean, that they could be kicked out of some pretty heady Michelin-star restaurants for smelling of Catgut. I mean, the Catgut smell would probably overpower the smell of the Chanel or the Givenchy or, um, or who knows what else? Tom Ford, any of the perfumes in Burberry. Um, anyway, I'm just, not, just naming names off here. because Maybe some of these will come through the mail to me. You never know. Um, but there we go. Catgut's not really Catgut. So all you, uh, all you uh, cat lovers out there, do not worry. Okay, so for all of you, uh, all of you lot who are not um, from the UK uh, or any of the sort of test cricket playing nations, you've probably never heard of Ian Botham. But Ian Botham uh, was a very successful cricketer. Um, I guess he was like a utility player in baseball. He, he bowled and battered, so he pitched and uh, was a striker batter. And uh, also he recorded uh, several uh, commercials during the 1980s, as well as doing a lot of marathons and charity work. You know, a fabulous individual, very talented sportsman. But he also um, basically ate uh, shredded wheat. And he loved shredded wheat. And he did many of these commercials during the 1980s. And uh, Botham uh, was renowned to not only eat one or two of the shredded wheats. I mean, these look like hay bales, basically. Um, But he ate three of these for breakfast. And apparently no human being ever since, not even a dinosaur in the Jurassic Age, could handle three shredded wheats. I mean, they could handle uh, a couple of uh, uh, diplodocuses and Triceratops. Uh, but they couldn't actually handle the uh, you know a three shredded wheat and the shredded wheat basically is like a giant trisket. I mean we're not talking about a trisket that's the size of the Eiffel Tower or the Houses of Parliament or you know the Freedom Tower or the uh, or the, any of those Dubai buildings basically. Um, but it's a sizable it's a sizable trisket that's that's uh, formed into a shredded wheat that uh, both of them used to eat basically. And I, I honestly think I, I saw the world's biggest shredded wheat uh, that was next to some construction by a river the other day. And I didn't go over and taste it. I didn't do a taste test or anything. But it was rolled up like a huge shredded wheat. And I challenged them to come out here and get his gnashes around this huge shredded wheat. Because I think he's the only man. He's like a... He, if, if Marvel ever came up with another superhero, it would be in them both them could uh, be the shredded wheat superhero. He could eat breakfast cereals that you know no other uh, superhero could eat. Maybe he could eat porridge without sugar. I don't know how anybody could but both them could eat porridge without sugar. Uh, he could probably uh, he probably could eat um, you know ricicles or frosted flakes without sugar as well. again is like eating cardboard. But both them could handle it. He is a utility payer. He could do shredded wheat and all other breakfast cereals and he wouldn't have a second thought about it. A dozen more restaurants run by prisoners could be open to the public under plans to boost job training for inmates. The program by the rehab uh, charity Clink uh, will be uh, expanded from four to 74 prisons uh, in England and Wales over the coming three years. The scheme trains inmates as chefs, waiters and caterers to help them prepare for life outside jail. Uh, We've got uh, Cardiff, Brixton, South London in Surrey, High Down and Strial in Cheshire. Um, And uh, apparently the Duchess of Cornwall. Uh, visited uh, Brixton Clink run by inmates in 2016. I hope she had a jester testing for arsenic or um, maybe pieces of old hacksaw uh, in her food. I mean, can you imagine, you know, you'd have a lovely bit of turtle soup and there's a hacksaw or maybe it's flavoured with awful arsenic or something along those lines. It'd be absolutely abhorrent. Um, But but anyway, I mean, I don't know if I would eat a sponge cake uh, made by a prisoner. Um, I suppose that's all part of the uh, rehabilitation, as long as they don't use wholemeal flour. So we have Motley the Harlequin Macaw soars over the Peak District after being trained in free-flying. A multicoloured Macaw has been spotted over the Peak District after its owner spent months training him to roam freely and in the views of the rolling hills. Chloe Brown, a zoo biology student, part-time employee of the Royal School for the Deaf in Derby, has raised and hand-fed Motley, the harlequin macaw, since he's around 21 weeks old. After researching free-flying, training birds are allowed to fly outdoors without any restraint and then return to their handler. There's no social distancing here for these macaws. Uh, Brown realized the benefits it might provide her parrot, including mental stimulation and exercise. I mean, it's good for mental health. I mean... This is the whole thing. Maybe we should all be like Icaruses and start uh, uh, securing and gluing uh, feathers to our arms and fly. I mean, then we may not have to social distance, potentially. But uh, let's not get too close to the sun. Free flying looked like to be an incredible way to bond with your bird. Bonding with the bird. Providing enrichment and offer a somewhat natural way of life. Uh, After nearly a year of training, Brown says that she's formed a bond with Motley that was allowed to take, uh, take him on regular trips across the p- peak, exploring places such as Kerber Edge, Millstone Edge, Stepping Stones, Monster Trail, and Laxhall Dale. At the beginning of March, 2020, we uh, practiced recall training with Motley, improving his skills until I got to the point he was fully trained to fr- uh, free fly outside. Although I train Motley myself, I always recommend that the others find a mentor or trainer. I'm heavily involved in the free flight community and had other uh, friends and professionals to speak with to gain advice uh, or critique to improve. Motley, who is now two years old, uh, has uh, been pictured flying off cliffs and diving through the trees um, over in Derbyshire. Brown chooses destinations carefully uh, to ensure that he is safe but gets a small challenge to enrich his flight time. Uh, Motley has a very strong bond with me. Therefore, he wasn't interested in receiving food rewards and just loved to cuddle. Once he came back, I mean, you haven't tried any monkey nuts. Monkey nuts are, are like catnip for macaws, I believe. But you could sort of—I mean, maybe Motley could be a new member of Motley Crew. I mean, I'd love to see a screeching macaw with Tommy Lee, or uh, or or maybe Andrew Lloyd Webber could uh, could audition him to Joseph's multicolored coat. He comes with his own multicolour plumage. It would be absolutely fantastic. So Prince Harry vows he'll never walk away from the royal family, but had to leave a toxic environment. He has a candid interview with James Corden. On James Corden's late night show, um, and he says it was never about walking away; it was stepping back rather than stepping down. He told uh, he told host Corden. I mean, the thing is, though, with the with the whole uh, walking away thing, the Royals cannot really do their job remotely in another country that isn't part of the Commonwealth. So Harry did, in fact, walk away. Um, because there's no sort of work from home situation here, he has to be within the UK or within the Commonwealth and doing his job there. Um, but uh, but I mean, I, I, I was thinking in the week though that maybe something else was behind all of this. I mean, I, I'm just hazarding guess. I mean, wasn't you know because uh, Kate had better fashion advice than Meghan. Or the uh, courtiers were nicer to Kate and William than they were to Megan. Um, nothing along those lines, indeed. But, I mean, I, I have a feeling I know what it is. Okay. So, so, absolutely lovely to see you, Grandmama. Th- thank you for inviting me over for some tea. Love some Darjeeling, if possible. I don't really like the old grey. Um, but just wanted to say, again, I'm so sorry if I upset you this last year. I was... You know, just over in America and I think the burgers over there taste much better. So Megan tells me and told me to tell you. Um, but um, the, the, I just wanted to go into some of the real reasons that I, I left the royal family. And um, it's nothing to do with William and I falling out or, or nothing to do with uh, Megan being jealous of Kate or anything like that. Um, but uh, but um, uh, uh, mm, how can I put this um, mm, oh, awful terrible goose her um, well Megan really 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 can't handle the uh, uh, she just cannot stand and cannot handle runny egg yolks and that's how everybody likes to eat it over in the UK and it's absolutely awful. She cannot handle the, 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 the meniscus and the, and the runny, runniness of the yoke. Absolutely awful. And, and, and we had to move because they like a more solid yoke in America. N- none of this runny nonsense. So just a, apologies again, uh, 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 ma'am and uh, grandmama. Uh, so sorry, uh, Your Majesty, for causing such uh, disdain and issue. Oh my God, I hate the runny yolks. So, uh, we dram, uh, as in the Mary, we did. the love, the So uh, we dram whiskey passes French wine test. Researchers claim to have settled a decades old dispute by showing that French winemaking concept of terroir can be applied to whiskey. The finding suggests the fields of barley from which the spirit can be ma- made leave a unique imprint on a dram. It could also lead to an uh, appellation contrôlée system, uh, similar to that used to guarantee the pr- provenance of French wine. For wine, uh, terroir uh, depends on the interaction of local factors: bedrock, soil, microclimate, topography, farming methods, and their influence on the product. As the author Andrew Jefford puts it, to uh, involve terroir. Is to argue that a Chablis tastes as it does not because it's made from Chardonnay or cool fermented in steel on fine leaves with a maglatic but also because it grows on the slopes of the Camargian limestone at 47.815 degrees north in a semi-continental location in the same basin and uh, may have been fermented with indigenous yeast. Whether such thinking is relevant for fermented barley has long been disputed, not least because the character of a whiskey is assumed to come largely from the barrels which it has aged. The study looked at barley on two farms in Ireland, Athie County Kildare, Uh, Buncloddy County Wexford, two varieties were planted at each site for two years. The barley of each type from each crop was kept separate and used to produce 32 micro batches of raw spirit. These are analyzed by the panel of whiskey experts and to equipment to identify the aromatic compounds that were released. Of more than 40 compounds identified, half seemed to be directly influenced by the whiskey's terroir. The uh, differences made by the farms and the year were more significant than the types of grain. This types of study demonstrates the toar impact and highlights the potential to produce single malt whiskey from characteristics influenced by more than barley variety production and uh, uh, matrician processes, the authors wrote. However, their findings come from caveats. Professor Kiran Corley of uh, the Irish Government Research Centre has carried out the analysis... And, uh, and and said that it uh, is not known to what extent terrar character survives the Aegean extent. The inland athi site had produced higher pH levels with increased amounts of calcium magnesium and in, uh, in, uh, in its limestone based soil. It had consistent higher temperatures and less rain. Spirit from this barley was characterized by toasted almond notes and multi-biscuity oily finish. The more exposed Bancotti site had lower pH levels, increased amounts of iron, copper, uh, and manganese in its soil, which was based on the shale or slate bedrock. The farmland is closer to the coast and was subject to more volatile weather. Spirit made from this barley uh, was light and floral with a flavor of fresh fruitiness. I think the key in this whole debate is that when the uh, French... Play the Scottish at Murrayfield in rugby. I don't think it's. I don't know if they played it yet or not in the uh, Five Nations rugby tournament. Is that during the halftime interval? I think that the French and Scots teams need to uh, start doing shots of whiskey. So I think you know the Scottish rugby players need to pull out you know a hip flask from their sporran and uh, they need to start downing and uh, doing the scotch and then. See which team comes out better in the second half. And then the debate would reach its conclusion. Okay. So it's now time to throw a few more logs on the fire. Stoke it up, stack it up. Because we have another fireside butler ghost story. And today we're back in Oxford, Clifton, Cliftonhamden. The ghost of Sarah Fletcher haunts a house called the courtiers. So attractive is the ghost that she may have fallen in love with her. If you decide to ignore her, she will only stay, become a nuisance and upset your stay. Her husband, a naval captain, left her and tried to marry a wealthy heiress. At his wedding, Sarah announced he was committing bigamy and stopped the marriage. The captain went back to sea and was never seen again, while Sarah, heartbroken, hung herself from the rail of her four-poster bed. So I think I had my most immediate social dilemma. It just happened just now as I'm recording the podcast, within minutes. So I was talking about different uh, perfumes and aftershave at the top of the program. And just now, I had uh, Lenny Kravitz come on and advertise Yves Saint Laurent. So he came on and advertised Yves Saint Laurent. And uh, <laughs> I was literally talking about perfume a few minutes ago on the podcast. I tell you, the aliens are listening in, people. The aliens are listening. I mean, it's it's almost like a uh, an IT or technological seance. I mean, people are listening in. You know, it's not beyond the grave or in the heavens, but the IT world. You know, you've got Tim Apple, Zuckerberg, Gates. All of these guys are listening in, and they're pumping in. Um, you know basically advertising propaganda. But what are we to do? Are we to give up our phones? Are we to be give up our iPads? Are we going to give up our computers? No, we, of course we're not going to. We just have to uh, put up being sold constantly. But it does make me want to go and get some Yves Saint Laurent perfume right now. Not for myself. Or maybe some Le De Toilette or something along those lines. Uh, and then, I don't have a problem with the, with the perfume or aftershave advertising. But what I do have a considerable problem with, is that they advertise to me a very inferior cookie or inferior biscuit, as we would say in the UK. And again, we're not talking the fluffy types that are like scones that you eat with KFC. We're talking about the chocolate biscuit. They try to advertise to me a slim, fast type of biscuit, a slimming biscuit with chocolate over it. Now, I, I think this is an aberration, uh, an aberration, I tell you is uh, that they're showing me this slim fast chocolate biscuit instead of the wondrous chocolate digestive. I mean, this is the crown prince of all biscuits, the chocolate digestive. And they're showing me this inferior jester of a biscuit. Is a court jester pauper of a biscuit instead of the uh, digestive. I mean, a chocolate digestive, not the digestive, a chocolate digestive is a delicious biscuit to uh, dip into a cuppa. But don't show me the slim fast biscuits. I tell you, the IT, the IT gods are making me very angry now. Showing me this very inferior confectionery biscuit. It's, it's, it's not even confectionery biscuit. It's a slim fast, awful cardboard biscuit with some poor quality chocolate over it. Anyway. <sighs> Deep breaths. Okay, Chubby. Deep breaths. Okay. All right. So I'm feeling better now. So at the moment, having to take two separate dog walks, a very short dog walk for uh, Maggie the corgi, who had a little operation, and um, very short. So this morning, I I was meandering, trying to avoid the snow and the ice and the the snow-melting substances, the salt and everything. I don't want to get that into into her little wound or anything. So I was walking along, headphones in, listening listening to the radio, lovely British station with some good quality rock and some groove music in there. And um, anyway, in another world, I mean, I have my Gaither mask over the ears. uh, Not over the mouth, but I don't want to steam up the spectacles. And I I don't want to steam up the spectacles while wallet, and watch this time early in the morning, dear. No, you don't want to do steamy. You don't want steamy windows that early in the morning. Let me tell you. Um, But I was walking along and a car stopped beside me. You know, I like to have a, you know, a happy talky talky chitty chat with the neighbors. A lot of, lot of old dears who live around here. wanted You know, now how I iron and how I press and how do I get out these awful stains and different things, you know. And what do I use to polish the silver? I mean, there's important topics of conversation. But today she wanted to talk about the corgi. Now, you know, she saw the little inflatable cone on her head. Inflatable cones are the best way to go. Thank you, my darling. Um, and anyway, so she wanted to have a chat about the, the corgi because I recognised her. She has two corgis of her own, and they're the sort of multicoloured corgis. They're not the uh, uh, not the sort of beige, yellowish corgis that you get. Uh, but uh, Maggie's got you know, a bit of white, bit of black, bit of brown uh, in her coat. Um, lovely doggy. And she said, "Yeah, you. you I see this corgi there." yeah, yeah i've seen you before you had a corgi and you got another one you got two corgis now and then i started thinking because one of my morning routines as all of you lovely listeners know is uh, I, I take the raw turmeric now you need it raw there's no there's no point in the process stuff or the capsules that's that's the wussy's way of it, uh, taking turmeric you get it raw and you sprinkle it on the tongue and move it around your teeth whitens the teeth don't you know um but the thing is, it, it does it does start to uh, rather discolor one's tongue. So, yeah, it does start to discolor one's tongue. And um, this is why people who see me probably don't see me talking too early in the morning. They see me on a walk, got the gator mask on, don't want to open my mouth. Because if they do, they see an incredibly yellow, pretty vomit inducing tongue. Now, my normal routine is Listerine, uh, mouthwash, um, uh, toothpaste, tongue scraping and scrubbing. I mean, I use, a, I use get the tongue out. I get an elephant brush on it, you know, that you, use to, uh, that you would use to soap up Dumbo. Same thing. You know, I roll the tongue out and I scrape away getting all the turmeric off. But, I, you know, I let it fester for a little bit. Get all the goodness in there. So I let it fester on the dog walk. Um, but I was, I, I didn't really want to talk to her. I, I, you know, I, this lady very nice. She's a fellow Corgi owner, um, but I didn't want her to see that I had an incredibly yellow. I mean, it was a Colonel mustard tongue, basically. Um, and, and I didn't want her to see this. So I was speaking, uh, you know, very cautiously, not showing too much of my mouth off. It's a typical British way of talking, I guess. And, um, but I didn't want to show off the mustard tongue. I mean, I was very aware, and I was a little short with her. Now, I'm very sorry. I mean, I, I think I now may need to go and take a box of milk tray over to our house or something. Because uh, I was I was a little short, but I didn't want to see that I had this rancid yellow tongue. And so anybody out there who sees me early in the morning, and that's why I never do any photography before 9 o'clock, darling's, because of the yellow tongue. It's absolutely bizarre. It 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 paparazzi get a picture of the yellow tongue. And it, I mean the whole. The, the World War 3 would break out, darlings. So yes. So I, I wouldn't. Uh, I would never, never show off the tongue too early in the morning. That's the key. Um, but uh, maybe I need to start my. Uh, early morning uh, turmeric routines. Just a little bit earlier. So if I have any chit chat. On the way. I will have a sparkling pristine. Pinkish tongue. So, time for more Trumple Trombone. So, uh, first up on the Oki today, we have the mutant baby shark discovered by fishermen with a human face due to a rare condition. Um, so, this this doctor um, found a mutant baby shark which appears to have a human face and it's baffled fishermen after it was caught off the coast of Indonesia. The bizarre creature was found by Abdullah Nuran after he set off uh, to the Rotnidar in East uh, Nusa Tenggara on Sunday, February the 21st. He accidentally caught a pregnant shark whilst out fishing. Experts suggested its unique appearance was due to a rare condition. Abdullah noticed the apex predator was pregnant with three pups. Um, but, uh, but the one of the distinctive appearance was two large eyes, uh, uh, round eyes underneath its nose and actually looked like a, looked like a human. Um, I mean, next it'll be sharks with freaking laser beams on them. Um, But there are some plastic, uh, Hollywood plastic surgeries out there that uh, can give humans the face of Mini Meg. I mean, I think in in, in L.A., I mean, you could go in there and have the face done of the Mini Megalodon. I mean, I think it would be absolutely fantastic You go in there. um, uh, Yeah, can I have Meg Ryan's nose, please? And um, could I have the face of Megalodon? (laughs) And woman makes fluffy free ingredient uh, hash browns and say they taste just like McDonald's. When lockdown continuing for the next few weeks and people are just at home in the UK, as much as possible, you might be missing a favorite fast food fix. Uh, But uh, as with everything else, TikTok's videos can solve the problems. A culinary uh, entertainment account known as Sourced Up Foods has shared their method for making hash browns, just like the ones you get at McDonald's. And the best part of the recipe only calls the three ingredients. You would not believe these McDonald's hash browns. They're literally made out of three ingredients and so crispy and uh, fluffy on the inside. Uh, she goes to demonstrate. The first thing I do is peel russet potatoes and peel two for my recipe and then cut them to thirds and part boil them. Uh, and then once they're partially cooked uh, for about eight minutes, uh, you grate them, add one egg and a tablespoon of cornstarch. And that's the uh, special ingredients. Um, but I mean... I mean, I wonder, I mean, thinking of McDonald's on a completely different subject here, I mean, I wonder why Ronald McDonald, the clown, was uh, was retired. I mean, did he retire and start appearing in creepy clown movies? I mean, what happened to Ronald McDonald, the clown? I mean, he was incredibly creepy, wasn't he? But uh, anyway, back to the hash browns. I think these are hash brown pretenders, and the only real deal is uh, loving it at McDonald's. <laughs> And a woman named Lily has taken to TikTok to share the hilarious cake fail she had after asking a friend with a small baking business to make her something for her sister's birthday. Uh, It's always nice to support small businesses and shop local, but one woman who recently tried to do that was left disappointed what she got. Uh, The TikTok user named Lily Davis claims to have asked a friend who runs a baking business to make a birthday cake for her sister. She said she paid £15 to make the cake and was hoping to get a pastel pink shaped like a little pig with a curly tail and everything. However, the birthday cake that arrived on the day looked nothing like she had hoped. Instead, she received a cake that was very messy, pink icing and some pink and purple Smarties arranged on top to look like the face. Two chocolate bars were stuck each side of the cake as arms. I mean, it was a total and utter mess. I mean, they made a real, real pig's ear of the cake. It sounds like the Great British balls up, complete with a soggy bottom. (coughs) So my lovely parents have been making appearances on the podcast recently with some of their uh, stories and lockdown, basically. So uh, it made me think about a new game that I I want to invent, that I want to introduce to you, the podcast listeners out there all around the world. I think anybody can play. it. Anybody with pets can play this. I mean, it's almost like pets win prizes or... The pets wouldn't win prizes in this case, I don't think. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's a game that, um, that uh, you know, could be called um, uh, chicken pie or a cat vomit. Um, so, I mean, basically what happened here, and let me set up the story, is um, we had, um, or, or my parents had uh, the other day, um, my mother was making a huge batch of uh, chicken pot pies, as you would call them in America. Absolute delicious, fabulous recipes, lovely little creamy roux, uh, mushrooms in there, all the goodness in there. And um, anyway, she was uh, making this, and I think transporting it from the uh, from the fridge over to uh, over to put into the oven because she made pre-prepared. This is one she made earlier, okay. And um, on the way over, I think you know. As you get a little bit older, your hands get a little bit shaky, I suppose, and um, and, and something may may or may not have uh, fallen onto the uh, kitchen floor. And um, anyway, my dad came along. he had been in the garden. Hold hold there, Mum. Uh, just in the garden, getting some Brussels sprouts. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Anyway, so he, he came in with the vegetables and etc. And he saw um, and he saw on the floor, uh, you know, some sort of liquid or something. And, you know, came over, they, you know, sat down, had a cup of tea, staring at this, this little dribble of liquid on the floor. And they were trying to determine, um, you know, with great difficulty here, uh, whether it was indeed uh, the sauce from the chicken pie, or was it indeed cat vomit? I mean, debating for hours. I mean, the Norfolk clock in the UK goes a lot slower than many clocks. Um, But here they were, debating, you know, what what has seeped onto the ground here. So, um, you know, was it cat vomit on one side? Or was it, uh, indeed, sauce from the chicken pie? So Dad uh, knelt down, popped his little finger into the sauce, took a dollop of it up into his mouth, and, uh... Ooh, mum! That, that uh... oh, ooh, mum! That's, that's, a, that's a chicken bar! Ain't no from vomit there, mum! So it made me think. I mean, we all have uh, fairly naughty pets out there. I mean, I'm sure some people have very well-trained pets out there. Um, but it made me think. I mean, just the other morning... I came downstairs. I came downstairs. There's no seepage of chicken pie or anything on the floor. But Jack, the old man of the equation, the rat terrier, almost incontinent. He needs some incontinent trousers on, definitely. Um, But, uh, I mean, it made me think of uh, a new game that one can play. Because sometimes you go down and it's impossible to determine, uh, was it emanating number two or number one? Was it a number two or number one? I mean, you're basically, it's basically like picking a, a card from the middle of the pack here. I mean, it's uh, it, it, the game that I'm going to call this, and, I, and I'll play it. I will record this. I'll go down. I will not look at the what's happened beforehand. I will not go down before. I'll go downstairs. I'll press record on the iPhone, and uh, we'll play a game over the coming weeks of play your pet plopsies right. Pay your pet plopsies right. Is it vomit or is it uh, something a little bit more dastardly? Let me put it that way. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be playing that game over the coming weeks on Keep Calming Cauliflower Cheese. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. And we're going to be playing Plat Popsies this week. And your dear host, Champion, will be the host. It's not a fun game. It involves getting your fingernails in to scrub the floor. Don't worry, I use lots of soap and, and water and... A little bit of vim to clean the hands off afterwards. Get all that dirt and umsker off. But uh, we will be playing. Uh, play your uh, pet plopsies right. And you need to really put your teeth in if you're going to say that, I have to say. So thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Keep calm and Cauliflower Cheese. It's Chubby here. Episode 64. I'll be back again tomorrow with more fun and games. Uh, more, um, I will make sure I scrub my tongue Uh, vigorously uh, before the podcast tomorrow and uh, look forward to joining uh, and having you here uh, tomorrow morning and we finish with a poem by kusa late february the first warm day and by mid-afternoon the snow is no more then a washing strewn over the yards the bedding rolled in knots the leaking water the white shirts lying under the evergreens Through the heaviest drifts rise autumn's fallen bicycles, small carnivals of paint and chrome, the octopus and tilt-a-whirl beginning to turn in the sun. Now children, stiffened by winter and dressed somehow like old men, mutter and bend to the work of building dams. But such a spring is brief, by five o'clock the chill of sundown, darkness, the blue TVs flashing like storms in the picture windows, the yards gone grey, the wet dogs barking at nothing, far off across the cornfields, stalked by streets and sewers, a missing from his work since autumn will show up in his garden tomorrow, as unexpected as a tulip.